welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about Parkland High School Shooter and the Keystone Cops. Yes, that's what it seems to... uh, The more reports that come out about what happened in Parkland, uh, of course we're talking about um, Nicholas Cruz, who is the 19-year-old shooter who came into Parkland High, well, a high school in Parkland on Valentine's Day and um, with an automatic rifle and mowed down students and staff and has created quite an ongoing stir as to what is the best way to handle uh, high school shootings, which seem to have been increasing over the years. And... Um, I know last week I talked about it, you know, there's, there's so much to talk about in regard to this incident, and hopefully um, so many things that we can then learn from and use, uh, do better in future shooting episodes, um, you know, whether it's high schools or other active shooter episodes. Um, now, one of the things that just recently came out that was, that's pretty shocking is uh, an EMT who is uh, stating that he wants to remain anonymous because he's afraid that he would be fired. He has said that um, when he got to the school, that uh, he saw a lot of um, a lot of um, law enforcement just standing around, and uh, as an EMT, he wanted to go in and um, remove you know some of the victims, start treating. Uh, some of the victims, dragging them out, as he said, and then starting to be able to treat them. And um, he said the way that they did this mass casualty uh, event was wrong. You don't wait for the scene to be cleared. You go in immediately armed and retrieve victims. You can't leave the victims laying there. And he said he asked the scene commander to go in several times, and other uh, EMTs did as well, and he was told that they couldn't go in because law enforcement didn't clear the scene. And so who knows how many kids, how many teachers, how many staff would have been saved, wouldn't have been injured, no less killed, if they had been able to go in more quickly and retrieve the victims and get them medical attention. So um, then there's also news about officers being told to stand down because there were no body cameras on them. And there are all kinds of, there's just more and more of these details that are trickling out and are being investigated, we are told. Um, and really, bottom line, it seems like we had the Keystone Cops on site when this incident occurred. My guest today is going to be weighing in on all of this. His name is Brian Crabtree. He has, you know, Brian, if I start reading all the different radio stations that you have been on, it'll be the end of the hour. He has been, uh, what, did they, did they keep kicking you out from one city to the next? <laughs> he, he I keep moving. All, <laughs> he's been all over the U.S. 
uh, won various awards uh, and on top brought different radio stations um, from one, for example, from number 14 to number four, won various awards, as I said. Now he is the afternoon host on Atlanta's Biz 1190 on week drive time, and then that airs again on AM 920, The Answer, uh, in the evening. And uh, in addition to that, his um, another passion, I don't know to say your real passion, but certainly something that you are very passionate about, is um, uh, writing these, um, well, you have your own, you're the publisher of uh, something called Talk40.com News, which also has a radio, is connected to your radio um, component, radio the radio broadcast as well. You can explain this a little better than I am. But he's the publisher of Talk40.com News, and he is a contributor to several other um, news uh, websites, RollCall.com, uh, Political, I'm sorry, LifeZet.com, ClashDaily.com, and DailyCaller.com. Obviously, anybody who knows these, these are all conservative websites, um, and uh, and he looks. He, your goal, I've re- I was reading in your talk forty uh, that your goal is to is to tell the truth, tell the real news, not fake news, basically. So welcome yeah, to the and show. I think yeah, it's good to be with you, by the way. And I, I think in, in just listening to your introduction of of the events surrounding Parkland shooting, I I, I would caution everyone. Uh, including the two of us, you know, we have to be careful because it sounds on the surface like eight years of Barack Obama politics of uh, standing down cops has penetrated Parkland, Florida, and perhaps caused more lives to be lost. That's what it sounds like. So I, I want to be careful with that, though, because there's always the possibility that you've got someone that's a plant for uh, some deviant behavior making up this story who is remaining anonymous. I'm not. I'm not. That 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 kind of you know, sure. that gives me a little concerned. Either we believe it totally, it's believable, the story. We, we heard about the security guard who, who uh, also said uh, or has said to have been hiding in the bushes, uh, so to speak. I don't think yes. that's exactly what happened. Scott so there Peterson. does seem to be a culture there that uh, stand, stand down, not run in and, and uh, get in the spray of bullets and try to, you know, neutralize this shooter does seem to be something that's very believable, but is it true? So we just I, I leave that with yes. your audience as we as we get into sure. this. Sure. Yes, I, I I agree with that. You know, the only thing is though that there have been numerous reports of various uh, failures, um, you know, coming from different people. And I agree until you know technically until the investigations are done, uh, assuming that they're going to be done <laughs> accurately. Um, you know, we shouldn't we should reserve. Uh, definite comment on it, except to say that there are so many of these things. I mean, for example, you know, there have been reports that officers, uh, as I was saying before, where they were told to stand down because they had no body cameras. I mean, what would that be about? Well, if that's true, and again, that, that's my initial gut reaction there, that factoid and, and, and a few others combined make me believe that this is eight years of Barack Obama presidential at the top level politics saying to cops stand down worry about who you have to shoot and neutralize because god forbid in the in the course of uh trying to arrest a criminal 
if you had to shoot someone because you fear for your life or you have to do something without a body camera, oh, it must be that you were out to shoot so-and-so or such-and-such. And I think that really is the case here, and not a lot of people are talking about that, that if these stand-down uh, accusations are true, and they're believable, very believable, if they're true, I think this is a result of the lack of leadership we've had in the White House eight years prior to Trump. I'm, I'm not trying to blame this on a Democrat. I'm simply saying that this particular argument about cops and policing in America, we bashed and beat up figuratively and physically as well, police officers across the country uh, under the guise of Barack Obama's politics and his cronies, and here we are. On top of that, what makes this even more believable is the crime rate re- leading up to this in this part of Florida. It's very low. So it's also believable that this police department didn't have the reason to think about active shootings and mm-hmm. really being as much into murder and domestic violence because their, yeah. their numbers of violent crime are significantly lower than national average in this community. That's no excuse, but it all adds up to a big dropping of the ball, and that's not even talking about the FBI having this guy in their sights and doing right. nothing about it. Right. Well, could you explain that a little more, though, um, in terms of Obama's policy? The idea was to stand down because what? If they go in and sh- and and shoot somebody that then they would be accused of, um, there would be lawsuits against them? Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I think police are afraid to be police. I, I, even though we have a new president, even though there's a new sheriff in town, so to speak, there's still this cultural uh, diatribe of that the cops are flawed, they're all flawed, and, you know, anytime there's a police shooting, the police are too aggressive. We have a militarized police force in the country. Well, we have a lot of unrest in this country, which is why the police, to some extent, have gotten more militarized. And we've painted this narrative and picture that ultimately the police are out of control and they need to back down. And what's happening is in some cases they're backing down by being killed, and in other cases they're not being as aggressive in stopping perpetrators, especially mass murderers like this guy, if this is all true, and and more lives are being lost. I mean, in, in just one minute of delay, and, and the incompetence of going into that school with paramedics, if that's true, could have cost a life or two. We don't know. Someone could have bled out in the process of waiting yes. for them to figure out what the heck to do. Yes, yes. And I guess the idea of the body cameras, of course, fits right in with that, that uh, don't, don't go in without a body camera because you could be accused of doing something unless you can prove with the body camera that you didn't. Well, yeah, and I think in this situation, I mean, an active school shooting, you know it's happening, you're there. Who cares whether you have a body camera on or not? I'm more worried about you having body armor on because I'd hate to see a police officer uh, at a funeral, his own, as a result of this kind of mass shooter. I'd be more worried about the body armor than the body camera. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's nice to have, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, you don't have time to put the camera on. Some would say, well, you should wear it at all times. Well, that sounds great, but you do have to charge the battery. You do have to do certain things. I mean, so it's not practical to think that you can have 100% perfection on something like body cameras. I believe we should have them because I think more times than not, it's going to prove the police were acting under protocol, correct protocol, than not. And we don't end up with these, you know, Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot moments where everyone gets to tell their side of the story, although none, none of them were there and nobody really knows what happened except the people that were. And I think it's that narrative that's led to what some of, now I'm not blaming it totally, but some of what happened in Parkland 
with regard to people sitting outside, not going in, cops not going in as aggressively, paramedics being asked to stand down, all of this being true, uh, that is definitely a product of the culture that was greatly altered under the Obama presidency, not just Obama, but a host of people that were allowed an unfettered platform to beat up on cops and to create kind of a new and tepid police force in America, which ultimately puts all of us, including our children, at more risk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, you know, um, th- there were other things. Supposedly they lost radio contact. At least some of them did. Then I, one of the things that is also a sort of unbelievable is um, about the video that there was something wrong, a communication error is being called, where uh, they were watching a video and it was actually 20 minutes delay or 20 seconds delay. I'm trying to remember. Um, you know what I'm talking 20 minutes, I believe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact details. There's so many on this case. I don't know the details on that well, particular issue. Well, they were watching, uh, however many minutes, they were watching, um, you know, I guess the, the um, sheriffs who were outside, they were, people were watching a, a video which they thought was in real time, and it was actually delayed. And uh, I was just reading something about how it, they found that it's not the fault uh, you know, originally it was thought to be the fault of the machine, and now they're saying it's not the fault of the machine. It was the fault of communication. I mean, really, how do you <laughs> how do you make um, you know the the shooter was out the door already by the time they were watching things? You know, um, yeah. showing him still in the building. That that's uh, you know I think you brought up something a moment ago, and it, it conjured up a thought. And, and you were talking about an investigation, and at the end of this, if it's done accurately and professionally, we'll know all the details. I, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't believe that we'll ever really know the details. And mm-hmm. I, I would point you to the FBI scandal where the FBI at this, at some think not all of it, but at some senior levels, uh, members of the FBI who are still in, employed there, by the way, were attempting to frame president Trump before, during and after his election. Right. And it seems to me that the prevailing issue that happened there, the more concerning issue than even trying to frame the president is that there seems to be a prevailing culture in law enforcement and in any government agency that they're more interested in protecting the institution and putting the Mm -hmm. process over the people than they are actually getting to the bottom of things that are broken and fixing them. And that said, this police department, much like I think we saw in Las Vegas in that mass shooting at the country music concert a few months ago, there just seems to be a protection of the incompetences and the breakdowns because ultimately the police chief or the sheriff of these locations is the one that's going to go down if the truth really comes out. And so they're trying to cover their own butt. And in the process of doing that, I think ultimately we're not getting to the bottom of things and learning. You know, when we have an airplane crash, the FAA comes in because the FAA is almost never at fault for the airplane crash. I mean, there's not... Very rarely does the FAA get, get, do anything that can cause a plane to have a catastrophic series of failures. So they come in and they do a magnificent job of determining exactly from this thing is in shat, millions of pieces in an ocean and they put this thing back together and figure out exactly what series of events happened. And then we learn from it and we make changes to aircraft that have made flying in America one of the well, not one of the, the safest form of travel known to man. It used to be unsafe. It's safer to be in a car. And well, now we've made it safer because we get to the bottom of it, and no one's worried about covering their own rear end. 
because the FAA is in charge, single FAA in charge of those investigations. When you have your own sheriff's department or a corrupted FBI, as it at least is now, going through this process, we already know that these law enforcement institutions are going to try to cover their tracks and their reputation before they tell the American people the truth. That's a very, very sad part of all of this that has to get corrected before we can ever get to the point of how do we stop school shootings in America. we got to first know exactly what went wrong, and some of the faults going to going to fall, obviously, on the FBI and on the Sheriff's Department here. Yes, absolutely. It is true that... Uh that their first thought is saving their jobs. You know, um, the main man who was outed in all of this, you know, who was who received the blame first and still getting most of it, Scott Peterson, who, you know, we know was the one who was hiding outside in the bushes um, and who, who uh, retired before he was fired, um, minutes before. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wonder, with all of the things that's been that have all the the media and so on that um, has been focused on him, I must say I I am a little worried that maybe he's going to commit suicide or something. But that is to say that we should... That's a risk, but he's also come out in the last 24, 48 hours and said, listen, I was told to stand down. So, I mean, was he a coward? Or was the police department in great, great, and grave error here? We don't well, know. Well, yes, yes, that's one of the things that <laughs> we would like to find out at, at some point. Well, we do need to take a break now. Um, my guest is Brian Crabtree. We're talking about the Keystone Cops at the Parkland High School. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with my guest, Brian Crabtree. He is the publisher of Talk40.com News. Uh, We're talking about the Keystone Cops and the Parkland High School shooting. Uh, The the name of the school, it's it's so much easier to just say Parkland High School, but the actual name of the school is Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Um, But just before the break, I was mentioning about uh, the the main sheriff's deputy who's been getting all the flack, who, uh, as Brian just mentioned, just said in the last 24 to 48 hours that he was told to stand down. Uh, it will be interesting to find out the truth, if <laughs> hopefully, um, if we ever do. But, um, you know, one of the things that I wondered about, you know, of course, President Trump has called him a coward. As a psychiatrist, I wonder if he froze. I also wonder whether he was thinking, well, it's almost time for my retirement. I'm not going to get killed now after putting in uh, all these years. And then also there was another thing about um, a question whether he was going according to the pre-Columbine rules of um, how you should approach an active shooter. So uh, I guess we, these are still unanswered questions. But one of the things is Brian was starting to talk about the FBI you know, they, they actually, if they had been on the stick, if they had been paying attention to something other than whether President Trump was having Russian dressing on his salad or drinking white Russians with dinner, uh, that's one of my favorite drinks, <laughs> then they might have been able to have more staff to pay attention to uh, Nicholas Cruz, who was given where they were given warnings about him um, that they should have been paying attention to and they just kind of sloughed it off. And yeah, well, um, that's the real uh, tragedy. It is. And, you know, I think it, it could be not so much the fault of the Russian investigation, but, but you know, and they're, they're uber focused on that. It could be the culture that's behind that investigation in that there's a politically weaponized federal law enforcement bureau in the FBI, which has, from a cultural standpoint, been allowed to think in terms of politics and not in terms of apolitical justice. And what you end up with is this propensity of the FBI to not really take threats as serious, to, to be less uh, egregious as a law enforcement agency in certain community uh, events. And, and I think I think that's an explanation of what what could have happened with the FBI's miss here. Clearly, from what we've learned, the FBI had this uh, individual in front of them. Um, He had some mental issues. He had uh, some criminal behavior. And he still was allowed to go out and purchase this AR-15. So now we have this whole conversation and debate about guns, and now we should have a 21-year-old should be able to, uh, only 21-year-olds and up should be able to buy an AR-15. That's the solution, even coming from a president that I support. So let me get this straight. I can't drink at 18. I can't buy an AR-15 at 18. But I can go out and die for my country with a automatic AR-15 serving in the military. But the rest of them, when they come back, they shouldn't be able to own a gun. I, I don't get this argument. And so I'm a little surprised by the president's position on this. As much as I like him and support him, this is one of the few issues I've been vehemently opposed to him. 
We let them serve. We don't let them drink, and we don't want them to buy a gun, but we let them die for the freedoms for this country, fighting for the country. I don't get that argument when the FBI had a criminal in front of them, didn't do anything about it, and then let him buy a gun that, legally speaking, the background check should have popped up and avoided. Now, I still don't know that stopped this guy. He could still go get a gun. But at least it, it warned them that a, that, that a crazy guy with a criminal record or with a pending criminal charge was trying to buy an AR-15 who had just been kicked out of school. Why we miss that, I cannot fathom. And I have yeah. to think that the FBI is just not doing its job because their focus is off-center. Hey, wait, what was the pending criminal charge? Oh, I'm glad you asked me that. Because, because I thought I knew it, everything there was to know about uh, Nicholas Cruz. What's, what was this? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. He didn't actually have a pending criminal charge. Uh, I'm laughing about that because I'm going back to my original argument. In this wake of Barack Obama-style, you know, let's hug a thug and maybe they'll reform themselves. You know, if you've got a person who's mentally ill and who's been a criminal but hasn't been charged, maybe they'll self-reform. I mean, there's this whole prevailing idea in justice about that. So he really didn't have a criminal record, but he should have because he had uh-huh. had a couple of instances of assault. He had been in yes. front of the FBI by a report for saying he was going to shoot up a school, and nobody prosecuted him. Because I guess it's more important that we focus on collusion with Russia with all of our resources that apparently didn't happen than actually focusing on policing the crime in America. I've been on RT International many times, which is the center of the Michael Flynn, former national security advisor. I go on the network. I'm, I'm convinced they invite me back over and over and over again because I keep saying on the Russian collusion story, I don't care. And I think I reflect more than a majority of Americans. Yeah. I don't care about collusion with Russia, unless there's conspiracy, of which there's no evidence. I care about the banks and the fraudsters and the criminals who are harming me financially and that have the potential to come into my kids' school and harm my children. That's what the American people care about. But we're focused on the wrong things. American people care about their own hacking and fraud, not Russian hacking as much. We care about it, but not to the level of our own personal checking account. And I don't think the FBI is doing a good job at all on that stuff either, just like they dropped the ball on this cruise guy in Parkland, Florida. Yes, you know, there's, there, today there was this, these tweets, um, or tweet, at least one, they were from the sheriff um, of Broward County, uh, talking about, how you know the that there's the news has got it wrong that there weren't as many visits to uh, Nicholas Cruz as they were saying. He, I think he's saying there were only 23, and this, uh, some news reports went as high as 49. I mean, like, <laughs> really? <laughs> if there were only 23, only? <laughs> I mean, they couldn't get it right in 23 times. I, I, I mean, between not arresting him, as you were suggesting, not arresting him for things like. Um, you know, he, his mother called them because he was uh, abusing her, you know, um, uh, assaulting her and assaulting his brother and, um, you know, of course, the animals, but I don't know that you could get arrested for, for killing birds. But still, I mean, there were all these things, all this evidence, um, and he was never arrested, and he was never, and also some of these times there were 
mental health professionals, obviously incompetent mental health professionals, who didn't put him in the uh, hospital, psychiatric hospital, involuntarily either. Yeah, I mean, you you brought up, uh, I guess, three criminal charges there that apparently law enforcement had no appetite. Illegal hunting is one of them. That could have been a local law enforcement and two cases of assault and battery. I, I don't I don't know why none of that was prosecuted. At some point, uh, I would have said back to the sheriff, that's, what, that's why I'm not a journalist, because I couldn't be quiet. I'd have said, you know, I, I, I agree with your, two, your 23 number, your two and your three, because it should be at two or three times that you've got this kid in front of, it, of you. You should have done something. At 23, you lost me, because I don't care if it's 23, 49, or 149. Right. At that point... Law enforcement's not doing its job. It's ridiculous. I don't, I don't need to hear more of that argument to know the sheriff ought to resign, and many are calling for that, and he's a doofus. I, I don't know how else to put it, because to make that argument and to think that that has any impact on the psyche of the American public in the wake of this is, is incompetent as hell. I, there's no other way to put it. Um, and it's just, to me, what has happened, in the, there's something about this school shooting that I think has, to me, it has stricken me more uh, in, in awe as to how we as a country, as a nation, have responded to it than even in Newtown, let alone going back to Columbine. Columbine was, was kind of a standalone, really nasty event many, many years ago, and it consumed us for weeks. Now we've gotten to the point where these school shootings, they tend to have about a one-week media cycle. Yeah. This one may yeah. make it a full two or three weeks. And, and, but this one we seem to be willing to just throw away rights and to really, really create a bigger mess than we already have. Let's focus on guns. Let's outlaw bump stocks. None of, you know, let's, let's increase uh, the age limit. Like any of this stuff really would have prevented this guy from making a bomb, driving a car through a crowd, using a different kind of weapon. Um, but, you know, buying an, uh, a, 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 you know, a semi-automatic rifle for hunting which he would be able to do, and then converting it to an automatic. I mean, there's, the, 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 I think the country's gone mad, and we're at, I mean, collectively, if you were just landing from Mars, and you look at how we're reacting to this, we look stupid, because no one is really talking in a meaningful way about the solution to this problem, which is security, not Barney Fife, but real security, Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith Show with a bullet in his pocket, but real meaningful security. I mean, look, we had, we had 3,000 people killed. That's the biggest mass murder in American history on 9-11. And the reason we had that happen is because we literally had a curtain instead of a $100 cockpit door and a $50 lock. And we created the mm -hmm. TSA, which stands for thousands standing around, to the tune of billions of dollars a year to fix a problem that is as simple, as simple as a door and a lock. Had there been a door and a lock, they could have killed everybody on the plane, but they would have never flown into the World Trade Centers. And so this is how stupidly we as the American people and as a government, really, uh, we elect these idiots, so it's our fault too, actually react to tragedy. We create entire problems that don't exist. The solution here is actually to do what we did in the wake of 9-11, which is to put the TSA into the schools with a full security apparatus, every single one of them across America, and look at airport security with, with a much more preventive tone, because that's really the thing that works here. Airplane door and a lock solved 9-11. 
TSA actually solved the school shooting program, but we got it all backwards. Well, hmm. Um, you know, did you happen to hear, I'm sure you listened to the, uh, the, the interviews, uh, you know, with Trump and the, the parents and the kids and the teachers, you know, the, when he had them at the White House. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah, I actually read the whole transcript. Um, okay, and there was the a daily, father. Yeah. There was a father who was saying that um, we solved the 9/11 problem. You know, right away we solved that, and we haven't solved the school shooting problem. Well, you know, we really haven't. I know what you're saying about the doors and the airplanes, and that's fine. But we certainly haven't solved uh, ended terrorism in the United States. So we haven't. I was kind of surprised to hear him say that. Um, you know, that because we haven't solved, <laughs> there is still a terrorism well, problem in the United States and all over the world. Well, listen, I'm going to pretend I have your degree, and I don't, for just a moment, and be a psychiatrist illegally. Uh, and it's a simple statement. One of the last people you want to listen to in terms of making sane, cogent decisions is someone who is suffering from grief from well, the loss, yes. tragically, of a family member. And by the way, if you are suffering from a tragic loss unexpectedly out of the blue of a family member, the last thing you need to be doing is making meaningful long-term decisions about anything. So we're sitting here listening to victims' families, and God, I can't imagine how much pain, regardless of their political positions on this, every one of them are in, including the whole community. I don't want to dismiss them one iota in saying this, but they are the last people we ought to be listening to. To, to criticize the father, I just kind of thought it was, it was like an interesting comment. It struck me as kind of odd. Um, but yes, of course, and he was like in so much pain. He was crying, oh, he was sobbing and he, about his daughter. And it was terrible. Um, and you know, that's why I think with the, with the students creating these marches and so on, I don't fault them either because they're grieving and they're having PTSD and they have survivor guilt and all kinds of psychological problems. But, and they also have the sounds of gunshots still in their ears and the sights of their classmates on the floor bleeding. Um, and so, uh, you know, to a high school kid, it seems like the quickest, easiest solution would be to ban guns. And really, of course, that isn't the solution. Um, I, I sort well, of disagree. Yeah, listen, I think it's okay to be critical of these grieving individuals while at the same time being loving and respecting of what they're going through. Uh, we can do both at the same time. We yes. can be critical and say, I'm sorry, you're, you're relevant in every way possible in this, but you aren't capable of giving the country meaningful solutions because you're going through PTSD and emotional grief that is beyond our wildest expectations. You need sane people to deal with it. And if I give you what you're asking for, I'm enabling you to continue with your PTSD and your problems. The next time that a school shooting happens and everything we've done that you want us to do didn't work. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I I can be critical. I'm reminded of the Gold Star Dad debacle during Trump's ascent to the presidency, where that Gold Star Dad used his uh, son, Captain Khan, who died in 2004, as a political shield to get up on stage and bash a Republican candidate for president. If you're going to do that in the name of your son as a Gold Star Dad, then you're not off limits as a Gold Star family. If you're going to take your grief 
and project it into a political process in America instead of just grieving and ask the rest of us to sacrifice things that we shouldn't have to sacrifice because of something very tragic and awful that happened to you and your family and friends, then you are going to attract the kind of blowback that we're seeing in the country because you shouldn't be making those decisions while you're grieving. You should be grieving, period. Because if you don't grieve and you ask everybody to give you a grieving pacifier, the next school shooting, your PTSD is going to come back just like you never got rid of it. And that's the problem with this whole process is that we want to placate as a country. Even the president is doing this very mildly. He's not off the rails. He's holding his ground better than anybody I can imagine politically in his, his role, taking a lot of flack for it. But even he has a lot of noise causing him to say some things that I think yeah. if he was being a little more reflective, he would say, you know what, I don't think we should change the age. I don't think we should ban bump stops because none of that stops any of this. Well, I actually agree with the age thing because increasing the age limit to buy guns because um, teenagers, the brain, their brain is not completely formed in terms of being able to control impulses. And um, so that would be the advantage to making it, the age limit be a little higher. Uh, had the, you know, the key to this whole thing, in my mind, is mental health treatment. And the mental health treatment in this country has gone down the tubes, starting with psychiatrists. I'll I'll end on that cliffhanger and explain why when we come back. Um, My guest is Brian Crabtree. He is the publisher of Talk40.com News. And we are talking about the Parkland High School shooter and the Keystone Cops and everything that's been happening since then and how we're going to find a solution to school shooting. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here with my guest, Brian Crabtree, the publisher of Talk40.com News. And... um. Uh, talking about the Parkland High School shooting, the Keystone Cops, guns, uh, and the whole nine yards. And before the break, I started off talking about, you know, the one of the key uh, elements for this, for, for why school shootings happen, is um, people, kids, um, having more psychological problems than ever before. And, you know, there's this semantic uh, argument that, you know, there are people who are sticking up and, you know, not wanting to stereotype mental illness. And, of course, I don't want to stereotype or stigmatize mental illness either. But, um, you know, there's a sort of a semantic uh, issue between mental illness, mental health. I mean, it's not just people who have psychoses who become school shooters or any kind of active shooter. Um, it, most of the kids have other kinds of problems that, uh, starting with dysfunctional households, and of course, uh, we know um, Nicholas Cruz was adopted. He had all kinds of problems during his his childhood, and um, and uh, clearly there were signs of his having psychological problems when he was very young, and this was not sufficiently treated um, all through his life up until the school shooting. He you know he had some kind of he had these these random sort of um, uh, contacts with mental health. But nobody put him, as I was saying before, nobody hospitalized him. If he would have been Baker acted, involuntarily hospitalized, he, the school shooting wouldn't have happened. But the problem is, one of the problems is not only that these kids aren't being um, referred to mental health professionals early enough to sort of nip their problems in the bud, uh, but it's also a huge problem with the mental health system in this country. And it starts with the problem with psychiatrists. When I was um, studying to be a psychiatrist, I trained at NYU Bellevue, the best place in this country to train in psychiatry. Um, we, we, we were taught to be therapists, psychotherapists, as well as providing medication. But never was the idea supposed to be that you, you just give people medication and send them off. You give them a prescription, see them for 20 minutes, give them a prescription, and tell them to come back in a month or two or three because all these people are falling through the cracks and they're either committing suicide, they're committing acts of violence, and, um, and more and more psychiatrists have turned, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few ones who um, refuse to become that a pill pusher and refuse to do med visits. Uh, people, if they want to come to see me, they have to come weekly for psychotherapy. And then if they need medication as well, I give them medication. But psychiatrists, because of insurance companies, it kind of all goes back to insurance companies. It all goes back to money. <laughs> um, when insurance companies decided that it would be cheaper to pay psychologists and social workers and marriage and family therapists to do therapy, and only pay psychiatrists to provide the medication because, you know, medical doctors uh, are able to prescribe medication. Uh, that is when everything went to hell. And another part of what went to hell is when all the uh, psychiatric hospitals were closed, or certainly the vast majority. 
and people were sent out into the community without real established uh, good um, mental health clinics in the community. So there is, and obviously um, even going down from psychiatrists down um, in many schools, uh, they are not training people, you know, like as I was saying before about the people who came out with the sheriffs who didn't recognize that they should have hospitalized him against his will. Uh, you know, there, there is a, a, and I see it, not just that, but I see it, you know, every, if not every day, every week, I see incompetent uh, mental health professionals um, in my capacity as a forensic psychiatrist, you know, doing expert witness work and so on. I, I, it just boggles my mind, and it is so sad and there's one problem after another. I mean, besides school shootings, you know, just in normal everyday life, I've seen people commit suicide because they didn't have an appointment to get their next prescription for the next for three months. So things have to really, really change, and kids are getting caught up in this yeah. incompetence. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you've really nailed the issue. And, 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 and to add some context to this, I have ADHD, and my son has it even worse, and, and, and I can function with or without Adderall. My son needs it to function, at least during the day. And so I've had to deal with exactly what, both personally and with my son, exactly what you're describing. And at times I feel like I'm going to these doctors simply to get them to check another box and send me for, you know, out with three more months of prescription. Mm-hmm. And, and, and i got to tell you, and I don't, I don't game the system because I realize the legality of it, and I'm a high-profile high public figure, so i got to be really careful but it's really tempting to just figure out how to get it, leg- just get it legally, illegally, whatever, which, because it's so difficult as a legal patient to go get a doctor's appointment, get some help, especially with your son, ask some questions that are relevant to being a better parent of a kid with ADHD, and then get the drugs. I mean, by the time you go to the doctor, get the, get the prescription, go to the pharmacy, get it filled, they have to go back to pick it up if they have it. I mean, you, you've spent a, I mean, you've literally spent an entire productive day yes. on something that ought to be a, a, an hour in the psychiatrist's office and 15 minutes at a pharmacy because it's so overly regulated. And it almost makes it, even though you can get it legally and you've got insurance, it almost makes it better to just get it illegally. And there's a lot of people doing that in this country. I'm not one of them, but I see the, I've said it to my wife and Jess, I can but I know better. And um, I really feel like with my son's particular instance, um, when I go to the doctor, he gives us nothing. I can read for a minute and a half on WebMD and get as much as or more <laughs> than he's giving us. So we've yeah. just made a change. And it's a, we have to wait till June to get the first appointment. It's a very reputable doctor near our home. It's $400 for the first visit. And then it's like a couple hundred bucks the next month plus the prescriptions. So fortunately, we're blessed to be able to afford this. But, but, but a lot of people in America don't have insurance for that. Well, they don't have $600 for the first 30 days of psychiatry yes. and the medicine. And only to find out there's a 50-50 shot, as you've described. Once I go to the psychiatrist, is this person going to be any good? We, I, I mean, you can go by the reviews and ratings and referrals, but the one we have now is terrible. Yes, and you know, on those reviews, <laughs> it's you know, people can have a, a, a bone to pick and give a bad review when it really doesn't have anything to do. And similarly, a psychiatrist can get his friend to write something good. So those reviews are kind of iffy. 
But yeah, well, a lot of those reviews are bad on doctors who actually are the ones that are saying what you say, that are practicing what you've just described. If I'm not a pill pusher, and if you're not a pill pusher and you're a doctor, if you really read through the reviews of those doctors that aren't pill pushers, they're getting slammed for being difficult and trying to hold up the integrity mm-hmm. of dispensing drugs to people. Mm-hmm. So the doctors mm-hmm. that dispense drugs, the minute somebody walks in the door and prescribes themselves whatever it is they want, whether it be Adderall or Valium or whatever, they just, here's a prescription, check a few boxes, yeah, I've done my job. They get five-star reviews when, in fact, they're harming the patients more than the ones that are getting negative reviews. This, this whole component has, has altered our society, the online review, Facebook, viral diatribe capacity of every American citizen, that part of it as well. It's caused professionals in every industry, including yours, to be afraid not to just give the patient or the customer exactly what they want, even if it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. Absolutely. It needs to be a whole big overhaul. And, um, uh, you know, it's uh, something that um, it w- I-, I hope that Trump will, I mean, he's kind of been, I mean, he- he- he's still in the process of figuring out what he wants to do, but at least he's committed to doing something. One of the things I wondered what your opinion is of this, um, what do you think about the teachers arming teachers with guns? Uh, I like the idea in principle. It scares me a little bit because have you seen some of the teachers that we have <laughs> across the country? I mean, I've got teachers that have, have taught my children in public schools. I believe in public schools because it represents the world they're going to be living in, not private school where everything is kind of elite and nice and perfect in theory. So I like public schools for the reality that it doses our children with, but part of that reality is some really incompetent, stupid teachers. I had one last year with my son that was teaching liberal politics and a version of history that is not true. And when I became aware of it, I went to the principal and said, my son's not going back to school this year until you take him out of this awful teacher's classroom. So the idea of that woman with a gun (laughs) <laughs> scares the heck out of me. But on some cases, like the principal of the school that I went to, he had a gun on his hip. I'd be very comfortable because he's a very sound, reasonable, competent man. So I think you have to be very judgmental in which teachers you give guns to. Well, you know, um, as you were saying before about, um, I mean, I generally am in agreement with um, most of what President Trump has been instituting and saying and so on. Um, but this is one thing that I actually don't agree with. I don't think teachers should be armed. I mean, yes, for the re- that reason, of course, that you mentioned, but also just because uh, teachers have enough to deal with, with all of these kids who are coming in with all of these problems from, from broken homes, parents divorcing, um, from being abused, neglected, all kinds of different problems. And um, that has made their job so hard as it is that if they are now asked to also become trained in, in how to shoot a gun, and I mean, he did say that it would only be certain teachers and so on, but the other thing is that having guns at a school um, makes it more likely that some child is going to be able to figure out a way to get his hands on it. So, I'm, I'm not, you know, there's this, do you know about the um, movement, um, Arm Me With? And it's, it's some teachers who are calling for being armed with books and counselors and things like that instead of with guns. And I think that that really would be more helpful. 
Well, I think it could be very helpful. I would say this. There's an easy way to solve your concerns about concealed carry by teachers and the concerns I just laid out. It's real simple. If you're a teacher and you want to carry a weapon at school and you want to be one of these teachers that Trump's talking about, then I, I don't think it would be too far of a stretch to say if you've had a consistent concealed carry permit as an adult in your life for 10 years, no criminal infractions whatsoever, and you've never lost a license of any kind, including your concealed carry weapon license for 10 years at minimum, then we will allow you to carry a weapon at school because that person has demonstrated the ability to get a license, the personal desire to have a, a gun culture as part of their life, as I do. I have a concealed weapon license, and I walk around packing heat all the time. Um, and, and I would probably just now qualify at 41 years old to be able to do that in a classroom. I think that having a few people like that, I feel comfortable with, but just well, saying to any teacher who wants to sign up, no, I don't think I, I, yeah. I disagree with any teacher, but if they've been a carrier of a gun legally with a license for 10 years or more, I agree with Trump, uh, any less than that, I'm concerned about it. Well, all of these things are things that need to be, you know, thought out more. And, of course, we haven't even talked about the uh, impact. This is my big issue, uh, the impact of violent media on kids. That's, uh, of course, a number one um, problem as well. And he actually, uh, uh, Trump was actually talking about that the other day. I caught something where he was ta- started talking about that, and that's great. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, thank you so much for all of your insights. and. Uh, so I'm Mike Brian Crabtree, the publisher of Talk40.com News. I suggest that you go to that website, Talk40.com News. There's a lot of interesting stuff on there. Um, and I just want to make one last comment, which is it's so sad whether uh, teachers, you know, whether we teachers have to carry guns or not. I mean, whether they, whether they end up carrying guns or not. Um, and some of these other things. You know, it's so sad that our nation has gotten to this point. Um, in the, you know, people like to make fun of the childhood or the way life was in the 50s, you know, that uh, the, mo- the father who went to work and the mother who baked cookies. But let me tell you, there weren't um, kids shooting up schools back in those days. And there's something of that kind of culture and society and wholesomeness that we wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do badly. I know I sound like, what? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> not, doesn't sound like a feminist kind of point of view, but... Um, but, you know, we wouldn't do, it wasn't so bad. It wouldn't, we wouldn't do badly to go back into the, that kind of a society when things were a little more wholesome. That's my, my final comment on, uh, on the on this, well, probably not my oh, final comment, but for today. <laughs> I agree with that, totally. So thank you, Brian Crabtree, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.